Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Happy New Year's, folks. Welcome into the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by High Plains Strains, the Northeastern Colorado dispensary, providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. If you give them a visit, be sure to mention DNVR to take advantage of their deals. I'm Justin Michael. I'm here with my main man, Jake Schwanitz, our guy, Dre, spending some quality time with the fam out in Italy, which we love. Uh, Glad he's able to do that. Really excited to dive into the college football playoff with my guy, Jake, um, a matchup that's kind of personal to us. I mean, I, I pull for Bama. He pulls for Michigan. It's going to be fun to see what comes of this. But I think it's a fun year in general just because you have four teams that realistically you could see a path forward for them winning the title. And I'm not sure we've ever had that in the playoff era. I will give some thoughts on the New Year's six polls, although the the bowl season as a whole has been kind of a bummer this year with so many opt-outs and crappy games. Um, I guess that's enough rambling to start. Jake, you want to talk about Russell Wilson here at the beginning. I'm sure this has been the news of the week here in town. Was any of this surprising to you? All right. Um, look, after the game on Sunday, I I felt like, man, kind of there has to be a change here. Uh, the first half was particularly bad. I thought he finished with what, like 45 passing yards. He was sacked like three or four times. He ended up taking five sacks in the game, just took too many sacks and he just doesn't throw in the middle of the field. I mean, he bails out of clean pockets. It was rough to watch. Um, I didn't expect it to be that harsh though, man, Sean Payton just lays it down. And then this whole story of all this stuff coming out where they asked him uh, during the bye week to, take out his guarantees and his contract and stuff. It To me, it's just business, but man, what a saga it's been already. Yeah. I mean, I think we're seeing people trying to make this more dramatic than it actually is. I mean, if you're Russell Wilson's camp, you're going to say, hell no, go fuck yourself. I'm not taking out this exactly. guarantee. You have no incentive to, if you're the Broncos, you have every incentive to ask. The worst that can happen is no, you know that you're moving on from him in the future. And if he takes the the guarantees away, maybe you roll with Russell in these final two weeks and you see what happens. But because he's not willing, you see what happens with Stidham. And honestly, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world because you kind of have a little audition moving forward for Jared Stidham, a guy who you paid decent money to be a backup to. And I'm right there with you. I mean, as somebody that spent his Christmas Eve in the stands of that Broncos Patriots game, my poor girlfriend, my God, you know, I talked her into freezing 
and you know to watch that pitiful performance also back in the day took her to the Broncos Chiefs game where it was Orton versus Tebow nine to six was the score so she she's not had the the best time in the world at some of these games but yeah I mean something's got to change this offense has just been very lackluster Russell was certainly improved from what we saw a year ago and I think that's a definitely a credit to the coaching staff and you know to Russell Wilson for embracing some changes which you know needed to happen he needed to get his ego checked but the reality is, is the peak Russell Wilson that, you know, played a big part in those Seattle Super Bowls. He's just not that guy anymore. And when you're paying a premium amount of money for that position, you need the the premium results. And it just hasn't been the case. It was a marriage that kind of seemed destined to fail from the beginning. And I don't think Sean Payton takes this job without the agreement from ownership that yeah, we'll give this a shot this year. I understand he signed the big extension, but I'm not getting saddled with three years of Russell Wilson if it if it can't be solved. Absolutely. I mean, this goes back to George Payton signing Russ to this ridiculous extension before he even played it down. Um, I'm not sure the trade happens without it, just to be fair, because he exactly. has no trade cause. So like, but yeah, I mean, that that's the thing is I don't think the trade itself was a poor decision. We needed an upgrade quarterback. I mean, in theory, this very well could have worked out. I certainly was stoked when I when I thought that Russ was going to be the savior. <laughs> we all were, man. That's, I think, what makes it so hard for uh, a lot of us over the last two seasons is we had this guy coming in, and we know it's clear and obvious he's the best quarterback this team has had is Peyton Manning. So it's it's hard that just to watch it not work out, especially in this fashion, uh, no matter what you think about Sean Payton, Russ, George Payton, the entire organization right now, like everyone got excited, like you said. Uh, it is, I do think it's kind of, I don't know if ironic's the right word, but it's funny that we're basically going through the same situation that Seahawks fans and the Seahawks were going through at the end of their Russ saga. Like he's doing the same things. He's putting up numbers. The numbers look great. If you just look at the numbers, um, you know, you as many people are, the fantasy people out there look at the numbers and they go, what's going on here? But Actually the watch the games, guys. Yes. He takes too many sacks. He doesn't work the middle of the field, just bails out of PFF raw data says he's responsible for two-thirds of the sacks allowed by Denver this year. Two-thirds. It should be more, honestly. I mean, the five sacks I remember from the other night were all on Russ just running around. Like... If you're going to run around, he needs to run upfield like he used to do when he was young Russ, but he's not young Russ anymore. So this is what we get. It's unfortunate. It's another move that, in a, in a long line of moves that I think made sense on paper that just didn't seem to work out for this franchise post-Super Bowl 50. Makes it even tougher when you have to watch Joe Flacco playing the best football of his career. I mean... Every quarterback that the Broncos have signed post Peyton is playing meaningful football right now. <laughs> but it's <laughs> we had Trevor Simeon versus Joe Flacco. What is going on, bro? I think it, I mean, it shows just how hard it is right now. I mean, I, I'm not sure there's ever been less quality play at the quarterback position across the board. It, it's just, it's, it's not unique to Denver. There's a lot of teams right now that have been struggling to solve this issue for years and years and years. And we're seeing it with these matchups, you know, week after week. A lot of it has to do with starters not being able to stay healthy. But even go back to week one, I mean, there's just a lot of lousy quarterback play being 
uh, tolerated, I guess, right now. And there's a lot of exciting prospects coming in. So hopefully that changes in these next couple of years. And we kind of get that next era of quarterbacks. I guess it makes sense if you think about it, just how many of those vets that all went out around the same two, three years, like Manning, Brady, Rivers, Big Ben, all these guys that had been stable starters for 15 years, but it's not good right now. No, and it's been something we've kind of talked about, um, at least Dre and I, in the office, like throughout the season, like the quality of the NFL product just hasn't been great this year. And a lot of it is what you just said is the quarterbacks. Um, when so many of them are hurt and we're seeing so many second, third, fourth stringers coming in for some teams, it's just, it's crazy. And it does kind of suck to watch because I know they're, they're obviously making the strides to help quarterbacks with the safety and the the fouls that they call and all that. But I mean, it's a brutal game, man. And this is just, I guess what happens sometimes. I mean, I I remember a year, what was like 2011 when the NFL broke the record for like ACL tears or something like 2013, like it's just a weird game. Sometimes you just have these weird seasons where it all happens to one position or one group of players, then it sucks. Well, kind of off of that, the tough part, obviously, is you're accepting defeat here with Russell Wilson. You're going to have to eat a whole bunch of money, uh, either this offseason or more likely over the next two offseasons. Um, who do you foresee being the starter next year i mean stidham's probably the front runner just given he's already on the roster he has an audition here if he can somehow lead this team to the playoffs that's obviously going to help his case but is there anybody else in the league right now you could see in the mix whether it be like a Jameis winston or i mean is it even realistic to have a rookie starter next year given the financial constraints i mean you're going to set that kid up for failure i feel like that's the man. This organization just put themselves in such a tough spot, I think, signing that rust extension because it's all of what you just said. Um, initial reaction, Jarrett Stidham, I think, has to be the favorite to be the quarterback next year. Just at this point, I know we haven't even really seen him play yet. Um, but looking through the free agent market, I mean, it's a lot of what you've already been dealing with, man. Jacoby Brissett, Tyrod Taylor, Mariota, Darnold, Drew Locke, like Joe Flacco, it's the same guys who have just been kind of floating around hoping for an opportunity the entire or their entire careers or back into their careers. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill are free agents too. You'd probably have to break the bank to go get those guys. That's not going to happen. So, yeah, to rookie quarterbacks, Penix, McCarthy, I feel like those are the two leading rookie names that I've seen so far. Penix behind this offensive line, which hasn't been terrible, but I don't know, man. I'd, I'd be worried just given his injury history. If they couldn't protect him, what does that look like? That could be pretty rough early on. I mean, McCarthy can run around a little bit, so I like that. Um, but outside of if you're in that QB3 range where like, if you lose these last two games and maybe you could all of a sudden get in the Jaden Daniels range, I'd be intrigued there, but even so, I, I just think the the financial spot you're in these next two years is is such a bad start and honestly kind of a waste of the whole benefit of having that five-year window of building around the cheap contract. I agree, man. Um, it is. So if they do end up going through, I think it's the post-June 1st cut, right? Where yeah. dead cap would only be this year and next year. That seems like the most realistic um, I guess option. I mean, that no trade clause for Russ is going to play a factor. 
I, I saw a report too that they were ready to cut him in March, but that doesn't make sense given the optics of his contract and all that. Um, because it's the post June deadline, right? As far as I know, they, I mean, unless you're literally going to eat all that money up front. Right. So yeah, it's tough, man. And this team does need work. I mean, we, we talked about it all season. Like we could use a receiver. We could probably use another corner. Um, PJ locks emerges at safety. I would be upset if you took another safety linebacker, I think could play better. Um, it's Sean Payton. Wouldn't be surprised to take an offensive lineman, you know, something like that too. My question for you, though, do you think Sean Payton would be willing to risk it all for Caleb Williams? What do you mean by risk it all? He so just going back, Sean Payton, uh, obviously in New Orleans, Drew Brees is kind of towards the tail end of his career. They were in position. They were trying to make a play for Patrick Mahomes. I think Jimmy Garoppolo was the other quarterback that Sean Payton uh, didn't have an opportunity to pick and was thinking about getting aggressive to go get. This guy seems like he'll go and get these guys. If there's a guy that he likes, he will kind of move hell and earth to go get them. He, We already know how he feels about Caleb from last offseason. I don't know, man. I'm just, I want to throw it out there. I mean, he's certainly an aggressive guy, so like you could see it. But I think it's harder to do given the decisions already made by this franchise in previous years, which is trading a bunch of draft capital, you know, getting yourself tied down to a big deal, which now makes it harder to build around. I I think it's going to be more old school Sean Payton, New Orleans, these next two drafts where... Yeah, if there's a skill guy there in the second, third round that kind of slips, that could be a playmaker, he goes for it. But I think it's going to be in the trenches. I think we see them, you know, try and upgrade the tackle position. I think he's trying to improve the interior defensive line. You mentioned linebacker. I'm right there with you. They obviously need bodies in the secondary. I, I, I would love it just because the thought of Caleb Williams with Sean Payton's offensive mindset, man, it feels like a video game, but... I just think given where you're at right now, I I don't know if it's worth it. I mean, that's a huge gamble. And as much as we think that Caleb Williams is that guy, the reality is, is the miss rate is much higher on these quarterbacks in the draft than the hit rate. If you did that after already spending all this money on Russ, trading away all these picks, and then you miss on this, I mean, that could be a, a decade's worth of consequences. You're right. I mean, it's it'd be risky, but... I- I'm almost kind of, we're desperate enough where I'm almost down to just take the risk, man. Um, I do think we have an interesting bargaining chip in this, in Russell Wilson. And we've already mentioned his no uh, no trade clause that he has. But he mentioned Chicago as a team that he would want to play for a few years ago uh, when he was being shot by Seattle. And they obviously have a decision to make between Justin Fields um, or drafting Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever it is. Maybe they want another veteran quarterback. So, um, I think you have a potential bargaining chip just given this situation that it's the Bears that they're in this situation, and you have Russell Wilson who stated his desire to play for Chicago a few years ago. Be interesting. Chicago's in a weird spot too. They are. They are. Let's move on. Let's get into the college football playoff stuff. Um, our, our presenting sponsor, not our presenting sponsor, one of our. Big time partners, Bet365. If I had to ask you where you would bet Russell Wilson is next year on the couch on an NFL roster, what would it be? He'll be playing. Um, 
I think someone would be willing to take a swing on him as a starter. I'd throw out a team like, oh, I don't know, Washington. Um, maybe someone like Minnesota if they decide to move on from Kirk Cousins. Um, who, who would you say? I think Washington's a good answer. Um, I, I wouldn't, I would assume that a team like Atlanta is in the mix, maybe just given their kind of instability, I, I would throw them out there. Um, I think Kirk Cousins will be back in Minnesota. I, I think he, especially post Zimmer has kind of established himself as the guy for that franchise, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Washington Commanders starting quarterback Russell Wilson. Let's ride. Oh man, uh, I throw Seattle too. I mean, I wouldn't rule out Never know. with them. Um, but either way, Bet Three Six Five, great partner, and they've got great opportunities for you guys to get in on right now as well. If you sign up with that code DNVR Three Six Five and deposit ten bucks and play a $5 bet on anything, no matter if that bet hits or loses, you can get $150 in bonus bets. Uh, They also have a great NFL payout offer with their money lines. Uh, If a team goes up by 17 points, that cash is automatically, no matter what the final score is, four times this season, those money lines have been paid out um, in the NFL because of those results. Two of those four were Broncos games, actually. So maybe you want to get on the Broncos on bet three six five on that offer. They also have same game parlays, all that good stuff. You must be 21 or older, physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1 800 Gambler. Shout out bet three six five. Shout out bet three six five indeed. Man, I'm so excited for this college football playoff. This is this is the most geeked I've been for uh, the four teams in quite some time. I know there's a lot of drama about Florida State. Jake and I have already kind of beat a dead horse with that, so I don't think we need to get into that. We think the right four teams got in. I understand the fundamental argument of if you go undefeated, you deserve a chance to play for a national championship, but that's not how the the current process works as constructed. Um, and so, I mean, you can be upset about that, but under the the way that this works, the right four got in. I think it's going to be really fun to see how this plays out. I think all the teams have interesting storylines. You know, Jim Harbaugh is still trying to win his first college football playoff game after winning three straight Big Ten titles. Does he win a title and ride off into the NFL? I don't know. We'll see there. Uh, Saban haters obviously don't want to see him win an eighth title, fourth in the playoff era, especially after many didn't want them in in the first place. Uh, Washington trying to be the swan song for the Pac-12. You also have the Steve Sarkeesian storyline. He left them for USC. You sure would love to, you know, kind of rub that in his face. And of course, Texas trying to end the Big 12 era on a high note after 15 years of letdown. Could maybe get revenge for the 2010 Rose Bowl against Alabama if we get that rematch in the title game. Very, very interesting all around. Which game do you want to start with? Oh man, um, let's save our uh, our battle here for last. Let's go Texas. That's kind of what I was first. thinking too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a good matchup, man. I mean, you got a dominant Washington offensive line, which has just given Penix all day to throw the the ball to his targets. Polk, McMillan, Odunze, probably the best wide receiver trio in America. I mean, I actually was impressed with the way Washington ran the ball against Oregon, to be honest, but. This Texas mm-hmm. defensive front, you know, with Tavondre Sweat, 
that's really been the foundation of their success. Something's got to give there. Who do you kind of see having the upper hand in this matchup going in? Two really great quarterbacks as well. Yeah, two very fun, intriguing quarterbacks. This game could be fireworks or it could be kind of a grinded out game. And I think I got to lean more towards a grinded out game because of what Texas can do defensively. Um, Washington did play very, very well against Oregon in the Pac-12 title. Both times they played Oregon, they played them very, very well. But as you mentioned, that running game really popped to me in the Pac-12 title game. Um, I think that that's something that Washington's really going to need. Of course, they've got Penix and all those receivers. You're going to need the big plays, but you got to be consistent against this Texas front. Um, running the ball, just picking up decent chunk yardage to keep the chains moving. I do think Texas is probably the best front that Washington has played this year, though. Uh, Washington has done a good job of keeping Penix clean. He's had plenty of opportunities to get the ball downfield. Um, I just do think this is going to be more of a battle in the trenches than Washington has seen all year. Just because of the talent Texas has, we saw what they did to Alabama, and it was because of that front and because Texas was able to run the ball offensively just down their throats. So um, if I'm or, or if I'm Washington, I'm you know I'm really paying attention to how we can take advantage of this Texas front and try and get some uh, running game going to keep things consistent here. I think they're going to have to, like you said, just because the Penix is, you know, under constant pressure, it's just going to be hard for Washington to get this going. That's, that's what really has me hesitant. I, I have a hard time doubting this Washington team because they're so battle tested. I mean, they survived a gauntlet of a schedule. They had that stretch there where it was like Arizona, Arizona state, USC, where all those teams kind of pushed them. But I mean, none of those are bad teams, especially with what we saw from Arizona last night. AS or ASU, I guess, is not really a good team, but they were frisky all year long against everyone. Um, Took it to Washington. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's just been a weird spot with the Pac-12. Um, I, frankly, didn't give Washington a chance going into that game against Oregon just because it kind of seemed like Washington was on life support. They had barely hung on in those games, and Oregon was playing such great ball. I mean, you were on it from the start. You said this line makes no sense. They already beat them. Um, obviously, kind of kicked their ass in a surprising way. Yeah. When it was all said and done, just in the trenches, at least um, for a really physical Oregon team, can they do it again against Texas? What does this Washington team look like after a couple of weeks off? Was that the couple of weeks off they needed to get right? I mean, there are just so sure. many things to question going into this one. But what's your gut say? Last I checked, Texas was favored by about four. Yeah, over on bet three six five, it's Texas minus four over under set at sixty three and a half. You can get Washington plus one fifty five on the money line. Um, look, man, I love Washington. I but I've been a huge fan of Sark and what he's doing at Texas as well. And I think that they've really built that program right. Um, it's going to be a great game. Really looking forward to this one. I've got to go Texas. I think though, that offense has been humming of late. Quinn Ewers has really, really looked solid. I think it's going to have to be a Quinn Ewers type performance like week two when he went into Tuscaloosa, threw for like 350, a couple touchdowns. I mean, yep. Alabama maybe has the best secondary in the country, and he kind of carved him up. I mean, a lot of that had to do with his offensive line, giving him all day. Bama's D-line has kind of come together here down the, down the stretch. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I just... I lean Texas. I think the I think the trenches is going to be a big factor in this one. 
I think Quinn Ewers can do enough. If Texas can run the ball even a little bit, you set up those play action opportunities. You have so much speed on the outside with Xavier Worthy and some of these guys. I also wonder just, you know, is it a home game for Texas, given that it's in New Orleans? I mean, that's a hell of a lot closer than, you know, coming from Seattle. I'm sure Washington will have plenty of support, but I just have a feeling with Texas being in the college football playoff, first time they've really been here in 15 years, it's going to be a very, very strong Longhorn contingent. And I think that matters in a game like this. That's a great point. I mean, this is a diehard fan base. They've been thirsting for a national title contending Texas team for a long time. So uh, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if you're completely right on that. And we see something like a 60, 40, maybe even more than that split in the crowd here. It's going to, I'm looking forward to it, man. I mean, I'm not ruling Washington out here. I might sprinkle a little bit on that money and throw it in a parlay or something, but um, Texas minus four is where I'd have to pick. That's where my gut goes as well. I mean, that's the thing about this playoff. We've said it from the start. Any of these four teams could realistically win. It's what's going to make it so fun. Sure. I wouldn't be shocked if Washington just, come, Washington just comes out. That passing offense is firing. Odunze is making plays down the field. I mean, Texas's secondary is not great. If they are susceptible, it would be there. I think their defensive front keeps them in it and allows them to kind of prevent some of that. But that would be where I would be worried if I was a, a Texas backer is just as a secondary that has been susceptible to the big play at times. And Washington has no shortage of playmakers. Nope. I, the, the granddaddy of them all, the Rose bowl, we've got Alabama taking on Michigan. In my opinion, this is a game that could be like the national championship anyways, just based on how this mm -hmm. season played out, but that's not the format. I get it. Um, I'm really excited. I think of all the, the matchups, this is probably the most fun outside of Alabama-Texas rematch. Um, I think the committee really wanted this matchup. They wanted the two, you know, powerhouse teams in the trenches. They want Harbaugh versus Saban. It's it's just great TV. It's uh, so many storylines going into it. Where are you at in this one? I mean, Michigan, I, they thumped Iowa in the Big Ten title game as expected, but only ran the ball for 1.9 yards per carry against a stout Iowa defense. Alabama's defense was great against Georgia, but they got carved up on the ground by Auburn in the Iron Bowl. I don't know. Where, where's your gut, I guess, going into this one as a Michigan supporter? And I'll kind of tell you how I feel as a Bama guy. I mean, I'm feeling good. This team, this has been the best Michigan team I think I've seen in my life, honestly. Um, they've been dominant at times. They can do it in a variety of ways. They can, you know, put it the pressure on you defensively. They can penetrate into the backfield and get negative plays. We know that this is a team that has been built on running the football. Uh, Blake Corum, Heisman contender last year, has had a decent season this year. I mean, scored a ton of touchdowns, but barely broke a thousand yards. Uh, so I still think that they're going to lean on that. It all comes down to JJ for me, though. Last playoff game against TCU, I mean, that's what happened. Is JJ's two pick sixes or two interceptions that really derailed that game for Michigan, ruined their chances of winning. So it's got to be up to him. He's got to make some big throws. He's got to be smart with the football. He's going to have to probably make plays with his legs as well. Like, uh, he's going to have we to be dynamic. We spent too much time man. together. <laughs> I, in my notes, I put, both quarterbacks are dynamic. Who makes more plays out of scripts? Who hurts their team with missed chances slash turnovers? Because, I mean, it's it's what it comes down to. The D-lines yeah. are going to get after these guys. We have seen both of them have their moments. 
Duggan, I wouldn't say he outplayed JJ. I mean, he didn't make his the key mistakes last year, but he did have the key runs, which I think is going to be a big factor mm-hmm. for Bama, who they've they've run the ball. It hasn't been, you know, like back in the day when you're thinking about all these great running backs, you know, Derrick Henry. Uh, Mark Ingram, that type. Uh, A lot of it has been Milrow, who's, you know, like 500 yards on the ground, six to eight rushing touchdowns. I should have put it in my notes, but he's been, he's been great. JJ obviously has that ability as well. I think it's really going to come down to like four or five key moments for these quarterbacks. Like you shook the, you know, you shook the edge rusher and you're able to get it to the tight end to extend the play for the first down. It ends up being a touchdown drive. You know, you, you hit the deep ball. You scrambled for the first down. I think these teams match up really well, and you see that in the spread. Last I saw Michigan by like a half point, um, but I, I've seen it all over the place. So we'll kind of see where that line ends up sitting. Um, I'm just curious if neither of these teams runs the ball effectively tra- with the traditional sense, you know, the running backs which quarterback can kind of step up and make the plays. Cause I think JJ is a much more pure thrower of the football. He's more consistently accurate. Milrow throws a great deep ball and he's had some really huge plays in these, you know, last couple of weeks here, but I would give them, I would give Michigan the advantage there at QB and that that would be the, my one thing as a, as a Bama guy that kind of has me hesitant. Cause Everything else kind of feels like Pete Saban lining up to win a title and piss off all of America. <laughs> Definitely feels that way. I mean, spot on too with the quarterback comparison there. I mean, you you said it. It's going to come down, I think, to a handful of plays, and it's going to be whether or not these quarterbacks are able to escape, make a big play when there was nothing there, uh, keep drives alive. That's really what it's going to come down to. Alabama, I mean, they've got plenty of talent. That secondary, I think, is going to test J.J. as well. That's another kind of caveat to this thing is um, how risky does he get? How risky does Jim Harbaugh get with him? Uh, How aggressive are they going to be offensively? Are they going to – because that's, I think, what kind of put them behind the eight ball against TCU as well is um, they kind of got aggressive early, which led to some of those picks. And then they were like, all right, let's settle it down, run the ball. And they were able to have some success going there, but then all of a sudden you're down two scores like early on and you got to be aggressive already. Uh, Michigan's got to be better in coverage too. They had so many busts in that TCU game, that Quentin Johnston one where he ran like untouched on the drag route for like 70 yards. Like you can't have that happen in in these games. So it's literally just going to be who plays the most sound football, who makes the least mistakes and which quarterback shines through the best here. Uh, Bet365 has it as Michigan minus one and a half. Alabama plus 105 on the money line over under at 45. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that I would be kind of shocked if this is a 44, 41 type game. I just think they're going to be too disciplined, too well coached outside of some fluky stuff happening. Uh, Jermaine Burton is a guy I would keep an eye on. He's made some big plays in Alabama's wins. The guy that can kind of get open over the top. Um, You know, how does Michigan look without Zinter running the football? I think is going to be a big key. What, do they hold up in pass protection against Dallas Turner and some of these guys? Michigan, maybe not quite as star-studded on the defensive side as we had seen in years past, but they've just been quietly dominant. And I mean, really, the way they they own that game in the trenches against Ohio State and Penn State, that was significant. They're going to have to do that again. I'm interested, you know, if Michigan goes down, can they come from behind? That's, that's one thing I want to see. They've kicked the yeah. crap out of everyone. Haven't played a ton of good teams. 
Bama, they've gone down in nine of 13 games. Eight of those ended up being wins. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, quite honestly. I think it's a testament to their resilience, but at the same time, also kind of points out their inconsistency. I can't wait for this one, um, but I, I would be shocked if either of us picked against our hearts here. I'm, go- I'm going with my guy, Saban. Uh, I just think... He's so prepared in these games. There's a reason that nobody wants to draw Bama in this instance. And he's perfected the us versus the world. Nobody believes in us. And I guarantee you, he was stoked they were the four seed and not the three seed because then you get to be, right. I, I can't, we're in the SEC and they don't even show us their respect. I mean, it, yeah. Harbaugh will be, will have plenty of that going himself. You know, they, the world's against us. You know, they tried to say what we did isn't valid. Yeah. Yep. Whose who storyline comes through in the end. Uh, yeah, man, it's going to be a ton of fun. Can't wait for this one. I'm going with my boys in blue. Obviously, I'm taking the Wolverines. Um, this is just a team that I feel like has been building up to this moment. Uh, last year, the last two years, made it into the playoff, got worked by Georgia two years ago, had the heartbreaker last year against TCU. JJ's been there the whole time. He's kind of grown through it. Um, I hope he's made the strides that we need him to to make to be a successful quarterback in the playoffs. But it just feels like this declare, time is... Right? Mm, it's interesting because I think it depends on what Harbaugh does. I re- I think it does. I think if Harbaugh heads off to the NFL, JJ is going to, he would have an opportunity to come back and be one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the country returning. But um, he loves Harbaugh, man. So it wouldn't surprise me either way. I think that if I had to gun to my head, make a decision, he does declare after uh, the playoffs here. Just feel like he can't accomplish much more at the collegiate level. And that's when you get to that point where people, I mean, they already nitpick him because, oh, he doesn't throw 40 times a game. And that's where it could get real annoying for him. Um, We're going to move on. We're going to preview the New Year's Six in just a second. Just kind of give some picks. We're not going to go as in-depth as we did as uh, these title games here. Uh, We both have Texas beating Washington. Um, I have Bama winning. You have Michigan winning. Depending on what happens, obviously, we'll do another episode before the college football final. But right Mm -hmm. now, how do you like Michigan matching up against Texas? Kind of feels similar to the, the, you know, Alabama who wins in the trenches, you know, which quarterback steps up and makes the key plays. Yeah, I mean, in in that matchup, that hypothetical matchup, they'd have to get after Ewers. Um, They'd have to win on that side of the football, create pressure, force negative plays. Obviously, without Jonathan Brooks, Texas has – they don't really have their guy at running back right now. They did, did run pretty well against Oklahoma State in that uh, Big 12 title game, though. So it's it's going to be a, a battle, man. If this is the hypothetical title game here, um, I'd probably say Michigan still comes out favored if this is the, the matchup. It'd be a battle, though. I I, I got to go with my guys, but <laughs> I think Texas is a team that's right there. I, they could absolutely win it all. As you said when we started this whole thing, all four teams could. Texas is the one I'm interested to see because I think they're kind of the potentially the silent Grim Reaper in this whole thing. We're paying so much attention to Alabama, to Michigan. I think Washington's getting a ton of respect, as they should. Mm-hmm. interesting to see Texas kind of getting that. Yeah. I mean, they got in because they beat Bama earlier in the season. I mean, they, they beat the hell out of everybody at the end of the year. So we'll, we'll see. They responded yeah. from that rivalry loss and 
I'm a big believer of fluky stuff happens in rivalry games. I mean, it's it's just the great equalizer. Whether you could see it in the Rocky Mountain Showdown, you could see it in the Iron Bowl, you could see it in Red River Shootout. You know, take away recruiting rankings, all that stuff. When two teams hate each other that much, yep. weird stuff happens. So we'll see. Um, we're gonna move on here. We are going to talk about the New Year's Six. I do have to shout out our homies over at High Plains Strains. High Plains Strains provides top-quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. Check them out for all your needs, including infused edibles, high-potency concentrates, and some of the best flour in the state. There are three High Plains Strains locations in Colorado, Log Lane Village, Garden City, and Sedgwick. If you're in northeastern Colorado, they are absolutely the dispensary for you. Save time by ordering online at highplainsstrains.com. You can pick up at any of their locations, which conveniently all have drive throughs don't even have to get out of your car. We are living in the future, people. Take advantage of all their awesome deals using the code DNVR online or by mentioning it in stores. Some of their great deals include a full ounce for 80 bucks, Ferritas eighths for 25, Mammoth one gram cartridges for 15, exquisite extracts four for 40. All deals you cannot beat. Remember to use that code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores to take advantage of these high plains strains deals. All right. Bowl season, I mean, I, we're college football guys, so we love we love bowl season. I'll admit that this year it's been it's been a little rough. Uh, we might have to tweak it a little bit. Find I don't maybe needs to be seven or eight wins to get in. Uh, just kind of find a way to incentivize these players with uh, bonuses for winning teams. I don't know, just a way to make the the stakes matter a little bit more. Um, it was nice to have a entertaining Alamo Bowl last night between Arizona and Oklahoma, but frankly, that was about the the first good one I think I've watched this winter. So we'll see what happens in these New Year's Six Bowls. I'm hopeful, but uh, with all these opt-outs, we'll see. Um, Oregon State versus Notre Dame in the Sun Bowl. That's later this afternoon. No Sam Hartman at quarterback for Notre Dame. Not technically a New Year's Six Bowl, but you know Oregon State now that they've lost their staff tough spots, uh, where are you at in this matchup? I mean, what a just terrible end of the season for Oregon state there. Um, I don't even, who's going to play quarterback. I don't know. That's yeah. I tried to find it and I couldn't even find it in the preview. So, I mean, DJ's in the portal. Aiden Childs is in the portal too. I think Aiden Childs is already on his way to, Michigan State to reunite with Jonathan Smith. So I believe you're right um, on that. I I just can't pick against Notre Dame in this spot. Then I mean, I guess They're five point State, favorites. The yeah, the argument for Oregon State would be, you know, this is a team who's probably kind of pissed off. Um, they did bring in, I think, the defensive coordinator is the the head coach now, right? Um, so they have some of that alumni blood still in the program. Um, it could be something that just causes them to come out with their hair on fire and just play like crazy. I mean, Damian Martinez is still there. They still have some guys on the outside. So depending on who starts at quarterback, maybe they have a shot. But um, is Estimate playing? Did he opt out? I believe he's playing. Hartman is not. Okay. But, yeah. Well, I give me Notre Dame easily then. They've been a very impressive team running the football this year. Estimate's been one of the best backs in college football. Yeah, I'm with you. I got to take the Irish. I just... I I do see the logic of, you know, like the pissed off team could like kind of rise together, but I'll be honest, man. I, I worked on the Jim McElwain staff at CSU when he got poached by Florida. We, 
had had this great year, went 10 and two in 2014. We lost the last regular season game against Air Force, frankly, because Jim had one foot out the door, but it, it was just so hard going into that bowl game. The focus wasn't there. The, you know, it, it's just, it's hard on your locker room. And I think a lot of those guys naturally just start moving forward and thinking about, you know, what's best for me. Even if they haven't entered the portal yet, I wouldn't shock me if some of those guys end up portaling down the line. So I'm going with uh, Notre Dame. I just think that it's a better spot continuity wise with Mark, Marcus Freeman and, and all that stuff. Um, Cotton Bowl, Ohio State versus Missouri, another game which features very few of the stars we loved all year. Missouri actually is going to have Braden Cook playing their quarterback, Luther Burden, which I love. No Kyle McCord, mm-hmm. obviously, at Ohio State. He is Syracuse bound. Marvin Harrison Jr. has opted out. I believe a couple other offensive weapons have opted out for Ohio State as well. Uh, where are you at in this one? Last I saw it was Ohio State by like four or five. I think I'm going to go with Missouri here. Um, I think Cody Schrader's playing the running back who's had a great year for the Tigers. Um, I don't think they have any opt-outs, some... actually. They're one of the few teams. Okay. Yeah, they're five-and-a-half-point dogs, it looks like here. Give me them on the money line, then. Um, I love it. Ohio State's not going to have their starting quarterback. I don't know if Marvin Harrison's been practicing uh, ahead of this game. I don't think he's going to play. He's probably headed to the draft also. Plus 180 on the money line over at Bet365. Give me it. I'm with you. I like the upset here. I also feel like this is a game where it's just which team is actually going to be stoked to be there. And for Ohio State, which had national championship aspirations, this feels like a letdown. For Missouri, this is an opportunity to, you know, kind of put the final exclamation point on what's been kind of a breakthrough surprise season and hopefully to, you know, keep that momentum rolling. Uh, I'm right there with you. I don't like how much consensus we have off the bat here, but it's going to kind of be the case with some of these games. Uh, Ole Miss versus Penn State in the Peach Bowl, the Lane Train. That's a sellout crowd in Georgia. Should be should be fun. I'm actually looking forward to this one. Uh, what's your gut say as far as this matchup goes? I, I would think both of these teams would be pretty up for this matchup. I think so. Um, Ole Miss is another team who's really kind of throwing their chips in the center of the table with the portal um, and how they've been recruiting over the last few weeks or so. Um, Penn State, I just don't know if I ever was really sold on this team. Uh, They lost both games to Ohio State. They lost to Michigan as well. They did take it to Iowa, beat them 31-0. This team just has lacked kind of that flash for me all year, though. And uh, if Jackson Dart is playing and Ole Miss has their guys, I'm going to take the Rebels. I think Ole Miss just has too much speed on the outside. I, you know, I like some of those guys in the Penn State secondary. You know, King's nice, but I just, I don't think it's enough to to offset the disparity in speed. And it feels a lot like when they were going up against Michigan, where it's like, yeah, you're a good team, and you would right. win against 75 to 80 percent of the teams you come across. But there are levels to this, and you're just not quite mm-hmm. there. Um, with you on that as well, should be a very pro Ole Miss crowd, I would assume as well. We've got Georgia versus Florida State in the Orange Bowl, our final New Year's Six Bowl. Or no, actually, that's not true. We've still got Iowa, Tennessee, and Liberty, Oregon. Uh, my bad. I don't know why. I should have bolded the other ones. Anyways, <laughs> um, this is a game that should have been awesome. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be because basically nobody on either side is going to be playing. Um, 
there's really not much to talk about other than that, other than all I'm going to say is I don't want to hear either side try and claim like we're the actual national champion if you guys aren't actually going to play the game. Uh, yeah, we cannot have this. Um, we just have to stop this in college football too. stop these. I mean, I know it's what the sport's been built on, but man, I'm sorry. If you win a New Year's Six Bowl, it doesn't mean you're a, a title champion. It's just a, we can't keep doing this. I got to take Georgia, though. Uh, they're minus 20 on the line here. Um, I'd love to take Florida Jesus. State against the spread. It's just, man, I, I think Georgia's deeper. I think Florida State was obviously demoralized uh, by what's happened, not only the Jordan Travis injury, but obviously the CFP decision. So they don't have a starting quarterback. They've got like 10 players sitting out, uh, some of them who've entered the portal. DJ Lundy, their middle linebacker, has already committed to Colorado. So it's they've had guys just all over the place going their separate ways. I can't you can't pick against Georgia in this because of that, I feel. Yeah, there's just not there's not much to this game, unfortunately. Should have been an awesome bowl game. It's not going to be another thing we've got to figure out is how to incentivize some of these guys to want to play in these games. Have them matter. And frankly, I, I don't blame guys for opting out of games that, as we mentioned at the beginning, seemingly don't hold a, a ton of weight. Um Liberty versus Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. Liberty kind of a controversial decision given their strength of record. But I don't I don't care just because there were no G5 teams that were really able to kind of run the, you know, run the course there in the Mountain West or Sunbelt or anything like that, the Americans. So I'm all right with it. Uh, Oregon's 16 and a half point favorites. Liberty, <laughs> politically, they're kind of a tough school to back as far as like, oh, the the underdog that we can all get behind. Um, but I, I just have a hard time seeing Oregon care about this game. So maybe Liberty covers the 16 and a half. They, they hang around. Um, I don't know where are you at on this game. You're, you're the PAC 12 guy. I'm kind of in the same spot. Like Oregon had national tam- championship aspirations this season. Um, lost to Washington twice. Those are their only two losses on the season. And then you're awarded with the Fiesta Bowl against the highest G5 team, which respect to Liberty, but I just can't help but feel like this is going to be um, kind of an ass open in the trenches for Oregon. I mean, it should be. They're just going to take it. They're just going to take it to them. I think Liberty can run the ball. They've got 2,000 yard rushers. Um, so maybe they, you know, maybe it's like a two lane USC situation type of thing from last year you know where uh the the g5 team really just plays up they're the ones excited to be there they're fired up to uh send their seniors out the right way return the guys back on some momentum into the offseason but i can't help but feel like oregon's just gonna outclass them bo nix is playing right he, did he opt out he is yeah he's playing which is cool he's you know i got, I got a lot of respect for him for finishing what he started which Again, I know there's a ton of money at stake and like it's very easy for me to say it from this podcast, but you know, football's the ultimate team sport and I I may not be the biggest Bo Nix fan, but I have gained a ton of respect for him these past couple of years. That being said, I will take liberty to cover the 16 and a half. I still think Oregon wins this convincingly. I think it's just a matter of, you know, Oregon comes out kind of lethargic. They play with their food a little bit, maybe a couple of sloppy mistakes. Liberty breaks a couple of runs. You know, they hang around, lose by like 13 to 15. Iowa versus Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl. uh, Kind of a game of two teams that were very talented, but didn't quite live up to expectations. Um, 
last I saw, I think Iowa was favored by six. Um, I'm seeing seven and a half here for oh, Tennessee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that spread wrong. You're right. Tennessee by six, minus 238 on the money line on the app I'm looking at. It'll vary depending uh, where you shop. We've got a couple of partners here, so we'll just keep it uh, at that. Um, Iowa versus Tennessee. Where are you at in this one? This does kind of feel like a classic Iowa wins this game against SEC, finishes a nine or 10 win season. I don't remember what their record's at right now. And despite the fact that they had one of the worst offenses in the country, again, Kirk Ferentz just survives. I, I'm kind of leaning that way too. Um, <laughs> no Joe Milton. It's uh, Nico Imaleva, I think is his last name. Uh-huh. Um, he was a former five-star quarterback last year. So he gets his first career start. And man, you're going up against an Iowa Hawkeyes defense. Kirk Ferentz, your first start. Um, that just spells trouble to me. So I'll take Iowa against the spread. I I don't, I'm not confident enough them offensively to take the money line, you know, still no Cooper DeGene. You don't have your best player. Um, I got to take him against the spread though, man, against this young quarterback. I'm taking Iowa outright, taking them on the money line. Let's go. I, I like the upset. I just think it, it's going to be a, one of those situations. They're a higher ranked team. Yeah. I, I just think they're a team that, embraces these types of situations you know like the bowl game still means something in iowa and i kind of love that i wish there was more of that in college football i don't know i was thinking about just some of the random great bowls i watched over the years with my dad you know thinking back to like the 2007 fiesta bowl or you know just back when they all felt like they mattered so much yeah you had the national championship game but like the fiesta bowl the peach bowl the sugar bowl like these were big time games that we could not miss and now it's just kind of been like yeah like i'm going to turn it on but if i have yeah. to do some other things for work you know i'm i'm not that locked in for a quarter or whatever and i just i hate that they've got to find a way to make the postseason matter for the teams that don't have a chance at a national title I'll be straight up. Uh, last night was the first bowl I watched start to finish, and that was the Alamo Bowl. Um, I know we've had some good games around here, but bowl season, as you said, it just doesn't have the same feel, doesn't have the same uh, – doesn't carry the same weight that it used to. Uh, for I think a lot of it has to do with the games being at like 2 in the afternoon. I mean, like there were always some day bowl games when we were growing up, but it was – you'd turn it on, you know, it'd be like 7 p.m. ESPN. It felt like under the lights when you're right. playing at – 80% empty stadium at 1 p.m. in the afternoon on a Wednesday. It's kind of hard to make it feel like the game actually matters. Yeah, that's it's I don't know. I don't I don't know what the solution is to this. I don't either. It's a tough um, spot. I mean, the college football playoff kind of killed the bowl system. Um, it's it's been a long time coming. I do think the expanded playoff at least will help make it so that you know these New Year's six bowls have some weight to them again. They will matter, which I'm all for. Um, but I don't know, maybe as a whole, like I said, maybe it needs to be more like you need to be an eight win team to qualify for a bowl. We get rid of some of these and it's, you know, they have some weight to them so that it's like, you know, back in the day where it wasn't a guarantee. I mean, Sonny Lubick had multiple seven and five seasons where they didn't get bowl bids in the late nineties. It you know, was, he was a coach these days. He would have been in a bowl basically every year. So it's right. I do think there is something to, to, to that just needing, Needing it to feel like there's some weight, you know, I don't know, six and six. 
I get it. It's good for these programs. You get the extra week of practice. There's money. Like, I'm not one of those guys that's going to be like, get rid of them all. But I do think we could make that's, it matter a little more. That's not the solution, I don't think. And that's, but that's what it comes down to is people are saying that, you know, there's too many of them. And uh, I mean, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. I haven't watched many of them, many of these early bowls. Like, my interest is in the, the New Year's Six, the playoff, the the games around this time. Like, once we get off here, I'm going to throw on this Gator Bowl. It's Clemson, Kentucky. Like, didn't know they were playing this morning, but, you know, I'm going to throw it on. These are some intriguing teams. It's just when you get into these six-win games, it's it's something that you do strive for. Um, you know, both our teams, CSU and CU, were striving for that six-win mark this entire season. Um, so it does kind of give you that benchmark for a lot of teams to aim for. Um, and if you bring that up to – eight or maybe nine wins or something, you do kind of get rid of that. You do make the Bulls mean more in that. Um, but, you know, a lot of seasons are over a lot earlier. And I do wonder if that brings along a lot more of the problems that we're seeing right now of guys opting out and through the portal. Um, you know, like if you have a high profile quarterback on a bad team and they're struggling to get that new eight win mark, I mean, why would they finish the season if we're going into November and they're sitting at, you That's know, three point. five, you know? I don't know. Maybe you need some type of, escalator like neither cu or csu has won a bowl in a long time um if maybe the first year you can qualify as a six and six team but to get to a bowl for the second year you have to win seven games or something like that like you can't qualify as a six and six team back-to-back years i don't know i'm just trying to think of ways to make it interesting promotion and relegation are obviously the solution that everybody throws out, but will never happen for political reasons. So while it's fun to debate, it's, you know, again, it's like, it's just not going to happen. So we'll see. Um, very much looking forward to these games. I hope these new year six bowls end up being fun. If nothing else, it looks like we're going to get an awesome college football playoff. Jake, happy holidays. Uh, happy new year as well. Uh, make sure you're following my guy. He does a great job covering all things CU Buffs football and basketball. I obviously, I've got you covered over on the Rams side, CSU number 15, trying to close out really awesome non-conference slate here. Uh, stay safe out there. Stay warm. And again, very happy holidays to you all. Thank you for supporting the content. Peace.